Worship you, Jesus. Glorify your name. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. We glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you so much for your presence. Let's give him a shout. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Worship you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Worship. Thank you, Jesus. There's joy. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Thank you, Father. Welcome to church today. Hallelujah. And happy Easter. Praise the Lord. Amen. He's risen. And he's risen every day. He remains risen. It's not not just a one-day thing for us. Hallelujah. You guys can be seated. I get the honor and privilege of helping receive the tithes and offerings today. Ushers, you may serve the people, please, with an envelope. Raise your hand if you need an envelope. If you're making a check, just make it payable to Living Word, Faith Christian Fellowship, or FCF, Living Word FCF also. Praise the Lord. Excited to hear the word today, what God has put on our pastor's heart, ready to receive. So all the new people, welcome. We're glad you're here today. Thank you for coming. And uh, you won't leave the same. You'll, you'll be blessed by what you hear today. Thank you, Father. God has a special plan for this service. All right. So if you got your Bibles with you real quick, you can turn to Ephesians 1. I was uh, There's a prayer in Ephesians. If you don't know that, we usually refer to it as the Ephesians prayers. There's multiple prayers. Um, and we just came back from a prayer conference, so no wonder this is what's kind of standing out to me. But um, yeah, yeah, it's good to say these every day. Um, and I was, I was praying. I was actually praying uh for somebody and i was praying this prayer but like our pastor always says don't just quote this stuff don't just say it out of memory as you say it i mean if you start with memory that's good but as you say it say it slowly start to think about what you're saying and i was thinking about what i was saying so we'll start in ephesians 1 verse 15 um we'll go in the king james says wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. You can put anybody's name in there. I actually wrote a blank line under there, and whoever I'm praying for, that's whose name I put in that place. So I cease not to give thanks for you. For those in this congregation today, I know, Pastor, in prayer this morning, we prayed for the congregation, prayed for the service. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling 
and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. That's his set-apart ones. And that's, if you're a believer, if you've got Christ in you, that's you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, that resurrection power, that's what raised him from the dead. That's not... Uh, we've heard it said before, but that, that power is more powerful than any man-made power because if you think about the most man-made power, probably a nuclear bomb, you know, all the threats and war and everything that's so prevalent right now, um, that's probably the most powerful thing, but that can't create life. And it can't reverse death. This power did. And the, uh, where was I at? And the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe. Say, I believe. I believe. To us word who believe. If you believe, there's power to, to you. Resurrection power. What he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above. Now this is the part when I was, when I was praying this out. I was praying it from my memory, but I also was slowing it down and meditating on it. And this, this is the part I stopped on that is far above all. He set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all. All power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath he put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet. And if we're the body, then all things are under our feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Once again, that's us. All things to the church. So if all things are under our feet, and all things are, are subject to the name of Jesus, what have we got to worry about? And I'm going to be honest, I have caught myself, especially this last week, worrying about stuff. Um, and you say, well, how do I know if I'm worrying about it? Well, if you're thinking on it, if you're dwelling on it, if you spend more than 30 seconds thinking about it, you're probably worried. You know, and it could be anything. It could be relationships. It could be work. It could be finances. It could be nervous about going to church if you haven't been in a while. Uh, whatever it might be. And so we, we have to cast down the, those worried thoughts. It takes faith to on purpose not worry. But it also takes faith in the negative direction. So it takes fear, belief in fear, to worry. So you might, you're going to do one or the other. You might as well spend your time in faith meditating on what God can do for you. If you don't know what he can do for you, know that he's got good in store for you. Think about that and keep coming because you're going to hear what he's got in store. You're going to hear what he already did for you. Thank you, Father. So just like it takes faith not to worry, it takes faith to sow. It takes faith to obey. And he says, the, the, bring the whole tenth, the whole tithe into the storehouse. It takes obedience to do that, and it takes faith to obey that. But it also takes faith to sow above that and to give in faith. You know, sometimes it, it, you might not feel like you have enough to give or to sow. But God says if you do, he'll bless you over and above. You go over and above with him, he'll go over and above with you. It says, uh, I'll, I'll end with this. It says elsewhere in the Bible that... Those that lightly esteem him, 
uh, he will lightly esteem, but those who exalt him will be exalted. So if, if what, the way we treat his things is the way he treats your things. If you treat him with over and above, then he'll treat you with over and above. And I've seen it come to pass in my life. This church is a testimony of it. Like pastor, pastor said multiple times recently that that's how this church has survived. She doesn't know how it works, but we just give and give and give. This building's paid off. There's always more than enough. And not that's not just for the church and the building. It gets into your personal life. When you take God's business serious, he will take your business serious. Uh, and I, I just give you a testimony of that. This church is a testimony of that. And that's what I have for the offering today. So um, we'll pray over it. Let's, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the anointed word that you've given to our pastor to preach. Thank you for the opportunity to sow and to give into your kingdom. We lift it up to you, Father. We say we, by faith, go over and above with you. And we thank you that you get involved in our stuff. You get involved in our finances, in our relationships, whatever it is that we're in faith for, Father. You're training us not to worry. And you get on our stuff when we are meditating and give into your things, Father, into the king, into the kingdom and into the things that are important to you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Check it. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's get it. Hallelujah to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Worship you. Glory to your name. We worship you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. We honor you, Jesus. We worship you. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. How oh, we worship you, Jesus. We thank you for the blood. How oh, we thank you so much. How oh, we worship you, Jesus. How oh, we thank you for joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy. How oh, we worship you, Jesus. Glorify your name. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Say you love him. Say you love him. Oh, he's done so much for us. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We glorify your name. Worship you, Jesus. Glory. Glory, glory, glory. Worship you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. You can be seated. And happy Resurrection Day. for every, Thank you for everybody that came. You know, okay, so I, I, I went to church for a lot, a lot of years. Just going to give you a little bit here. A lot of years. <laughs> Forty years of going to church, and I didn't even know what this meant. And, and I was going to church every day. I think I'm echoing a little bit. Um, and... Um, uh, now I know what it means. It's different because I got born again. See, there's a difference in just going to church and religion and, and then really asking Jesus to come in your heart. It's huge, guys. It's huge. <laughs> Amen to those of you 
you know, maybe everybody needed, needed. I didn't have, I didn't know nothing. <laughs> you know, I was 40 years old and got this. Now, and, and some of you are brought up with it and you take it for granted. You can't do that. It gets to be just religion again. It's zero. There's nothing to it. And I was just so cotton-picking grateful. Excuse me for using that. But cotton-picking grateful that I found God. I just couldn't stand it. I went nutty. <laughs> and got spirit-filled. And my life went upward, uphill. And, you know, Lonnie was right. Because I not only, not only did joy come in and, and other things, but even finances came in. It's a huge difference. Okay, so, you know, we're just going to say some things. Some of you just don't realize the impact of the cross. Okay, we used to, I mean, we were very devoted going to church. But it's still, you know what, you can give, be born again and you can get religious. And I, you have to watch that. Or you just take it for granted. Because you're getting religious when that happens. It's nothing to you. I mean, we would kiss the cross. We would go to all these services all during Lent, all this stuff. What did it mean? <laughs> Didn't mean that much. Okay? So, uh, what? there was a reporter who was doing an interview on somebody like with the Passion play or with the Passion movie. How many people saw that, the Passion? And, and he said... He, he bent over to lift up the cross that they were using, and he couldn't lift it up. He thought it was just going to be something real plastic, and it was made out of oak wood, and it was heavy. And he said, why, why did they make a cross like this? And the guy said, so I could understand the weight of the cross with Jesus. We're going to give you some facts right now. I know this is Resurrection Day, but this is before the Resurrection these are some of the facts about the crucifixion. There were 300 to 600 specialized troops or soldiers, like the Green Beret, like the CBs and all that kind of stuff. And they were specially trained police equipped with weapons, like they were going to an important battle to, to capture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. You know, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. Yeah. Is anybody excited? Are you interested? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, if you're, the more you respond, the more you get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> why? Okay. Because Judas... Now, why, why, why did they have 300 to 600 soldiers? Because they were going to arrest Jesus. Because Judas Iscariot, he betrayed Jesus. He told... He told them that he was in there, you know, in that Garden of Gethsemane, the Pharisees, when they wanted to arrest him. And he knew that a lot of times Jesus had actually walked right through the crowd when they were going to throw him over the hill. They were going to murder Jesus at one time when he was preaching and they got mad at him and they were going to push him off the hill because he, was, he, he said he was the son of God. And these were the pastors in the town. 
And so he walked right through the crowd, and Judas Iscariot said, you know, he's done these kind of things, and he's performed miracles, and he's cast out demons, and he might do that, and you won't be able to arrest him. So they bought 300 to 600. See, people just think somebody came there, and right? Okay, so when you know some of this stuff, <laughs> and okay, put up John 18, 3. Um, it actually says, Judas, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Okay, John 18, 3, please up there. Okay. Um, and keep, just keep it up there until I'm done, because there were a lot of caverns and caves. Uh, a little too loud, maybe. There were caverns and caves, holes. It might be too close to my mouth. There were torches. There were weapons. And they thought that everybody was going to run and hide in these caves and caverns. Okay, the next verse, verse 4. It says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and he said to them, whom are you seeking? The next one through six. Actually, well, okay. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to him, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. The next one. And now, this is one thing. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Okay, we have lines of people up here sometimes. The anointing of Jesus made them all, there were 300 to 600 soldiers that fell to the ground. You know what? And everybody, Jesus could have taken off right then. Right? He could have taken off. These are true facts from the Hebrew and from historical, historical teachings and, and uh, so forth. So all 306 to 600 of the police fell over. And there was no force that was strong enough to take Jesus against his will. He did it because he wanted to do it for you. And... Um, now, here's, here's the thing about this. We think, well, they just came there and did that. Well, they got back up, and they had a lot of, I said, a lot of weapons, all kinds of swords, torches. They start beating Jesus right there because they thought he could escape because he could, he could probably just, you know, disappear or whatever. In Matthew 26, 53, it, it, uh Peter was there, and he cut off, I, I don't know if this is interesting to you. It just, it doesn't seem like, I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not getting people listening. I, I can see it. <laughs> um, Matthew 20, okay, Peter actually cut off one of the soldier's ears. And Jesus reached up, he took that ear and put it back on him, out of love. He thought he was going to defend him, and he couldn't. You know, this is, this is something that is, mm, 
It's important to know these things to change your life. For 40 years, I've been a Christian now. And, and it's a lot different. Okay, let's, let's go to um, now. So then they, they finally arrested Jesus. And what they did was they put a rope around his neck. And they led him to Caiaphas, to the high priest. Okay, would you please put up there Matthew 26, 67, and 68? You see, it could have... Now, the elders also had a police force. And the elders and the chief priests and the scribes were the spiritual leaders. And they actually took Jesus then and bound him, and this was the second beating... And they spit in his face, and they whacked him violently, right, right in his face. They just spit in his face with his hands back here, while he was blindfolded, and they asked him to prophesy. Now, we're not talking just one. See, we know some of this stuff, but did you know there were three to six hundred of them, or a hundred of the police? And they, it actually says in the King James, for... Hmm, let's see. No, it was not, that was, uh, it was verse 67 in 26. And it talks about how he got buffeted. And buffet actually means to strike with the fist in violence in the Hebrew. See, think when we're not treated right. Or, or people are, are not grateful to you. What happened to Jew Jesus from the Jewish leaders? Is Now, think of this. Is our love for unkind people consistent with the word of God? Or is it unaffected by what the word says? Or do conflicts with others reveal just a fickle love that you quickly turn off when people don't respond the way you wished? You know, there's a love confession in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, out of the Amplified Bible that tells you, uh, actually, we should actually read it. Jesus did this so much out of love. First Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Start with verse 4. Okay, first of all, I should say, the love of God abides in me. It abounds in me, and it's shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit, because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes in, and he actually sheds abroad the love of God in your heart. Okay, so then it says... Love endures long and is patient and kind. You know, sometimes you could have somebody that you're taking care of that's handicapped and you get, you get kind of irritated after a while or if somebody's sick. 
you want to get away. But love endures long, and it's patient, and it's kind. Or, you know, even a husband and wife fighting. <laughs> and and uh, sometimes that you don't want to endure long and be patient and kind. Okay. It says love never is envious. How many times have we had envy or jealousy? If you, if you feel that, you just say, get out of here. <laughs> Nor does it boil over with jealousy. It is not boastful. It's not vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited. It's not arrogant or inflated with pride. Oh, look what I've done. It is not rude or unmannerly, and it does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's loveliness does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. If you start reading that every day, something might happen because stuff, is, stuff has happened to me. And all of a sudden, the love confession came in, and I thought, oop, forgive. What, what if somebody, one time I was I listening to a preacher, and they said something funny, and I laughed, and it kind of had a horsey laugh. And somebody next to me said, you sound like a horse. I'm embarrassed. And, and, I, and then, I, then you know what? I stopped listening to the preacher because I got hurt. And all of a sudden, I'd been saying this love confession. And it came through me, love takes no account of the evil done to it. And I thought, oh, that's right. Okay, I'm going to enjoy myself. <laughs> I don't care what they think of me. And, and I shaped up. That's when I was a baby Christian. I, see, I'm not trying now. I'm not privately trying to tell you that. If you practice this stuff, you'll be happier. <laughs> see, that's, that's what happens. Okay, so, so we got that. All right. So the same Holy Spirit who lived in Jesus lives in you now if you are born again. And the Holy Spirit, it says, actually sheds the love of God the Father himself in your heart when you get born again. So you're empowered to love people consistently no matter what happens. Forgive. Now we're going to receive communion a little later. But decide to love them the way that Jesus did because you know what? You're capable of it. You might not think you are. But the whole thing is, you can get born again if you never get into the word. This stuff doesn't work. Okay, let's go, go back to some of the stuff with, with Jesus. And uh, would you put up there Luke 22, 63 to 65? Luke 22. And in, in this, this time, there was a lot of blasphemy against God, all those, those soldiers, all those people started, started to uh, 
actually blaspheme him. You got it up there? Okay. Now the man who had Jesus in custody treated him with contempt and scoffed at him and ridiculed and beat him. It says the man, but there were a lot of them. They blindfolded him and asked him, prophesy, who's that who struck you? Go ahead. And they said many other evil and slanderous and insulting words against him, reviling him. So they were actually screaming. If you look into the words and what they meant, they were, I got some of this from Rick Renner. I got to admit it. They were screaming curses at him, mocking him, making fun of him. And remember, when Jesus was preaching, he had called, he had called them whitewashed tombs. You know what? I hate to say this, but we can be whitewashed tombs too. You can be a hypocritical Christian. Because what happens is you can, oh, yes, right here. And then you can go out there and, and, and just act in the flesh like you always acted. See, that's the difference in practicing Christianity and not practicing I, I saw that, and that was religion, and I was tired of it. Well, okay. So, really, how serious are we in our relationship with Jesus? When other, when other people play around with our mind and emotions, are we able to follow you know, people play around with your mind and emotions. They tell you things. Ah, that stuff. Why are you always going to church? What are you always doing that for? What's your, you're religious. You're doing this and you're doing that. You know what? And can you're, they play with your mind and emotions. <laughs> so are you able to follow what Jesus did by holding your peace and loving them? Or are we rough with others? Are we impatient with other people? Because they think, well, they're not going to help me anyway. No. So, okay. Now let's go back to Jesus. The next morning, they led Jesus to Pontius Pilate again with a rope around his neck. See, when they used to lead the lambs, when they used to uh, sacrifice the lambs, that's what they did. They put a rope around his neck. They put a rope around Jesus' neck. Now, you got to remember, Jesus was up all night long. And he was, he was being tormented. He was being, well, let's, he was being tortured. Amen? So he really was led to like a lamb to the slaughter. He was, and I'm just going to come right out and say this, folks, because you got to be honest about stuff. During the night, and historical records show this, those soldiers had him down in a basement of that thing, and they sexually abused him. Jesus was even sexually abused. Why was all that done? It was done for you. It was all of that was done for you. People, you know, we don't think about that. We think about, oh, it was just this and that. And one time they spit at him. And, but, but it was on and on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now where are we at here? 
Isaiah 53, 7 says he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth, and he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is done, dumb, he opened out his mouth. And then they took him to Pilate. Pilate did not want to crucify Jesus, and he asked Jesus to defend himself, but Jesus never said a word. Pilate said, don't you know I have authority to kill you? And Jesus said, you have no authority unless it is given to me by my heavenly Father. You know what? Jesus could have had angels come and help him. But he didn't. He could have had all kinds of help. Finally, finally Pilate sent him to Herod. And again with a rope around his neck. Now imagine, he's standing all this time also. He didn't answer Herod either. He didn't say a word to him. And finally, see, all Herod wanted was to see some like miracles. He wanted him, hey, let, I thought you could perform miracles. Okay. You know what? You can make yourself sleep or you can, you can make yourself stay awake. <laughs> I've been without sleep, and I've been in a service, and I sit on the edge of my seat so I can get something out of it. Because it means a lot to me to keep moving forward. And you, ooh, she's kind of a crab today. <laughs> it's because, because I love you. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed. <laughs> Okay, what happened was, so here's another, here's another ruler, you know, uh, uh, Pilate and Herod didn't get along, and so Pilate says, take him over to Herod, and, and Herod starts, he, he starts, his, ask him all these questions, oh, I wanted to meet you, because I wanted to see some miracles, and then, and then, uh, uh, so he asked Jesus all these questions, and he just stands there. Because he didn't, he, all he wanted was some woo, some, you know, big entertainment. So he told his soldiers to, to, to start torturing him, too. And uh, <laughs> he sent him back to Pilate. Now, Pilate scourged him. How many people have seen The Passion? <laughs> have you ever, I closed my eyes. When, when the, the passion was on, uh, when they were scourging him, it was, they tied him so tight to this, this little thing. <laughs> it wasn't, he wasn't even standing up, so he could not, like, move away from the whips. And uh, all that, that whip had in it, okay, you might be able to help me with this. It had glass in it. It had lead, nails. And all those things. And those Roman soldiers were strong. And they, they would go like this and deliberately, and then they would rip. And I mean, that, what, now I want, this part of it, I want to tell you something. I don't want to mean to gross you out on any of this. But see, the thing about it is he's resurrected. But, but okay, the reason he did that, though, and people don't know that part, was for your healing. 
Jesus wouldn't have had to go to, through yeah. that part. That part was for your sickness, for your healing. Okay, so Matthew 27, verses 27 through 29. I actually wrote it out. So then the soldiers of Pilate took Jesus into the common hall and gathered in unto Jesus the whole band of soldiers, 600. And they, well, this was where that happened. They stripped him naked and put a scarlet robe on him. And you can imagine when they had, then that's when they put the crown of thorns on his head. And those, those thorns were seven inches long. And they put a reed in his right hands. And they bowed down 300 to 600, plus the police. That was another 100. <laughs> they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they forced, every time they said that, each one of them did it separately, and they banged him on the head and forced those thorns deeper and deeper into his already wounded head. And they mocked and humiliated him. Now, even when we get mocked and people say mean things to us, actually Jesus took all that stuff. If, you, if we really could get into this, we, and, and when you really, I mean, I'm not there either, but he took all that stuff so we wouldn't have to, and yet all of us as Christians, most of us are suffering because of that, right? I mean, we just, we become Christians and then we go in the flesh. But, but you know what? You can overcome stuff like this. And you know what? They, then they took the robe off of Jesus. They put his own clothes on and, a, and the scarlet robe had more than likely meshed into his skin. You know, they ripped the robe off, put another one on, beat him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know what? And then somebody had to carry the beam because he already had so much blood loss. And, um, and I, I'm, around his neck, again, was a sign. And his crime was he was accused of being the king of the Jews. Now, I want to tell you something. The king, the Jews thought that he came to be a king to overtake the kingdom from the Romans, but that wasn't it. His kingdom was up there. And his kingdom came to live in you if you receive him. See, and a herald would actually walk before anybody who was being crucified and they would declare their crime. Now, there was a group of kind-hearted women who made, actually made a homemade painkiller and they had a narcotic in it, and they mixed it with wine to alleviate the pain. But they offered it to Jesus, and Jesus refused it. But, okay, by knowing this, <laughs> what he went through, I'm sure you can feel the weight of the cross and fully appreciate what he went through. Let's go to 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Now it's going to sound a little better, a little happier. <laughs> you know, okay, well, 
First Peter 1, 18 and 19. Out of the Amplified. Okay, now this is if somebody, I don't know if everybody here has received Jesus in their heart. But this is what happens to you when you have. And we're not here, nobody's here to condemn anyone or to say you're not, but, but the thing is, nobody told me, now listen to this, nobody told me in a denominational church that I was supposed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Right. So I spent 40 years going to church and just doing works, thinking that works were going to get me to heaven. And that ain't the truth, people. You don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all. That's why he did all that stuff. And you have to recognize it. And But nobody told me that I was supposed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Yes. Yeah. Nobody told me that. And then finally, my daughter, who was on drugs, because she went to junior high, went, went to, from, a, from a, Christian, uh, a Christian school, from a country school, which they don't exist anymore, because we live out on Old Highway 8 and still do. And uh, there was a country school out there. She went to the eighth grade. And when she went down to junior high, which was downtown then, uh, Every, you know, you want friends. And she was a social person like her, <laughs> like Victoria <laughs> and you. <laughs> and uh, and she, uh, she uh, you know, the only ones who accepted her were the druggies. <laughs> and she, uh, okay, she got to the point where she was doing Everclear and LSD. That daughter is now 58 years old. That's how old I am. But she is, I mean, she's fine now. She received Jesus. She went to Bible school. Some, some teacher at, at, at high school witnessed her. And she did get fired <laughs> because of it. But she went to Christ for the nations and became a missionary. So praise God. I, I just, I just want to tell you that. She got her whole family born again then. She did. Because she cried, at least we were going to church. At least she knew about God and that she could call on God. I want to tell you something. What broke my heart one day, this little kid, I saw this little kid. It wasn't in church here. It was somewhere else. And I, I think they were crying and I, they were kind of lost in a store. And I said, oh, uh, I don't know what I said to him. And then I, I just started talking to him a little bit. And I said, you know, God can help us find your mommy. And they said, God, who's that? They never heard of his name, ever. And it broke my heart. I think they were about seven years old. Never even heard the name God. Never heard the name Jesus. And well, we found mommy by going to the front desk. But, but the point was, it just broke my heart. I'll never forget that. That was quite a few years ago. But um, let me read this. 
Okay, you must know and recognize that you were redeemed. Hey, do you know what redeemed means? We just throw that word around. You were ransomed, you were bought from the useless, fruitless, a useless way, are you listening? Useless way of living, inherited by tradition from your forefathers, but not with corruptible things as silver and gold. See, you were redeemed, you were ransomed, you were bought back, but not with gold and silver and those kind of things. But you were purchased with the precious blood, and we sang about it, of Christ the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. Now, when you were on the cross, you were on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, do you know what? I want to tell you this too, because people don't know it. And there's people here that might not know it. Jesus died for every single person in the world. He didn't pick and choose. Well, I like, I like, you know, I like Octavia a little better than his run. So, you know, I'm going to save her and no he died for every single person but not every person knows any better than to receive him here was one didn't know went to church all the time you know and I desired to know him I had kind of a hunger though I knew there was more and so God made it available through my own kids See, now when Jesus, I, this is another thing. When Jesus died, okay, those, those Jewish people, they always had to have a priest and they had to sacrifice all these, these animals and, and so that the priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And they'd even tie a rope around in case he was in sin because he would die in the Holy of Holies. What happened when Jesus died on that cross, the temple veil which was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and four to six inches thick. And it tore from the top to the bottom. I'm, God sent an angel to rip it in half. And what happened was the Holy Spirit came out, and he came to live inside your spirit, or to give you the chance to live in your spirit. You're a spirit person. Now, I'm doing this because we have people here that have never <laughs> heard stuff. And it doesn't hurt the rest of us to hear it again. You know, an earthquake occurred when Jesus died. And you know what? It was the very time that the high priest would have slaughtered the lamb. They were going to, you know, they were going to celebrate the Passover, right? Okay. And it was the exact same time. And then... At 3 p.m. when Jesus died, a, a huge earthquake occurred. And the worst part was then, then Jesus took all of the sins of the whole world from Adam to the last person who is not even born yet. And he took all of their sins 
and he went to hell. The demons had the right to take him to hell. And he went to hell for people so we wouldn't have to. Okay, you ask people, will you, will you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they get scared and say, oh, no, no, no. It's not you're going to join a religion or something's going to happen to you. Something good's going to happen to you. Let me, let me just tell you this. There's two kingdoms in the earth, and they're not the kingdoms of all the nations and the, and the United States. That's all going to pass away. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the devil, and there's the kingdom of God. And you're either going to serve in one or you're going to serve in the other. And I tell you what, the kingdom of God is full of life. It's full of more joy. It's full of more finances. It's full of all kinds of things. The kingdom. The kingdom of God. But see, even us as Christians that were brought up as Christians, that wasn't me, but you have to be careful because you can take this all this stuff for granted. You just take it for granted and live life and think, oh, well, I'm going to go. But there's more to that life. So the whole of Christianity is not about, please forgive me, I'm going to say it. But it, there are people that are born again in the denominations and, and may not even know anything about, but their heart is for God. But, but you have to ask them if they want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That, that's where it lies, is to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior. The whole of Christianity is wrapped up in that, but see, people think, oh, it's okay because I went to this church and I went to that church, but that, some of that is not Christianity. The church of the real, real Christianity is the church throughout the whole wide world and other nations of people who are born again, who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, I didn't know any of this stuff, and that's why I, it makes a huge difference to me to know it. Some of you might, like the little kids growing up, just never take it for granted that they got born again just because you are. Or else they said the prayer. If they're not practicing and it doesn't mean anything to them, they may not even be born again. That's just a, a parental thing that you've got to look at. Okay. John 1.12 actually says it. It's a scripture. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the instant we receive Jesus, Satan loses his authority over us. And once we're born again, the devil has no more dominion over you than he had over Jesus when he was raised from the dead. The trouble is, <laughs> a lot of us are letting, letting the devil do anything he wants to us as Christians. So I'm going to address both sides of this. You know what? We have to learn to take our authority. We've got authority over the devil. And I, See, 
In Colossians 1.13, would you put it up there? Put it up there out of the King James though. Well, this might be different than what you would have expected. But, God, but you know what? God knows what everybody needs. It says that the Father, okay, what it, the Father God is the who. Has, is has, past tense or present tense? Hey, is, is who? Past tense or present tense? I'm trying to get your attention here. <laughs> past tense. You know why? Because it means all the world to me that you understand this. He has, past tense, delivered you from the powers of darkness. He has, from the power of darkness, second you got born again. Okay, she, she made a picture one time when I said this. It, uh, another translation says uh, conveyed, conveyor belts. Yeah, conveyor Hus yeah, husband good. worked at Hormel's, yeah. okay? Conveyor belts. Yeah. You know, there's conveyor belts that go yeah. doot, 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 yeah. doot. So here you are, and it's pitch black because you're in the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, there's this place right here, and you got born again, and then you're on the conveyor belt, and it goes, woo! Yeah. <laughs> The sun, the sunshine, it's light. And that's, that's actually what happens to you. But see, you may have heard this, you may have said the prayer, but, but you have to practice it. Because light will come into your life. Light will come to your relatives. Light will come to your, I mean, to your children. And it will. And see, it, it's full of love, too. Yeah. I ain't always loving. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably thinking, oh, well, well, she's a huh. But no, no, I'm just trying to get my yeah. point across. Yeah. People don't know that. They don't know that you go from the kingdom just like that. I can't, in fact, it goes faster than that. If you really meant it, and you say, Jesus, come into my heart, uh, I, and I, I want you to take over my life, that's all you say. Jesus, come into my heart, take over my life. I've made a mess of it. That's all you have to say. And you know what? He'll come in faster than I, I'm not good at snapping my fist now. <laughs> but he, it's faster than that. It's faster than that. And that second, he delivered you, past tense, from the kingdom of darkness, because there's only two kingdoms on the earth. One's darkness and one's light. And transferred you into the kingdom of God's dear son. You're actually living the kingdom. You know what happens right then? You become a citizen of heaven. This, this is another thing. All the kingdoms, all the countries, all the rulers are all going to pass away. We talked about it last Sunday because of uh, the kingdom. God's kingdom is going to stay. It really is. They're all going to pass away, but the kingdom of God will stay. 
Okay, so he has already delivered us if you're born again. Then in verse 14, it says, in whom, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood and even the forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm going to go fast in this part, and if, if you're, anybody's taking notes and you want to put the scriptures down, because <laughs> I have them written out, most of them. Colossians 3, 2 says, Our life is hidden in Christ with God. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, it says we are made alive with him. We are raised with him to be seated in the heavenly places, in the highest place of authority in the universe, over all demonic spirits, over names of every sickness, every disease, every ruler, oppression, depression, pain, you are seated at the right hand of the Father just by being born again in the highest place of authority in the universe. Colossians 2.15 says, He spoiled all the principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. Jesus disarmed, he paralyzed, he thoroughly defeated the devil. Thoroughly. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, folks, there is a devil on earth. And he doesn't do any good not to talk about him. Then, you know, join the service and there's a war. And they write, they don't check out the enemy. You've got to check out your enemy and what his tactics are. We didn't talk about the devil too much. <laughs> you have to know. We don't talk about him, but you have to know that that is a possibility. You know what? The only Once you're born again, the only power Satan really has is what we allow him through fear, through ignorance and perverted words. Okay, uh, put, I do want this up there, though. Romans 6. Five and six. Romans six, five and six. For we have been planted together in the likeness of Jesus' death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You know what? When he died on the cross, he knew you. You were on the cross with him. And when he was resurrected from the dead, you were resurrected with him. The next verse. Knowing this, that our old man. See, something happens inside your spirit. It lights up with God. Your old man is crucified with him. This is in the Bible that the body of sin might be destroyed. You know what? He forgave your sins. That henceforth we would not serve sin. You actually get, you, you get more power to stay away from sin. You do. 
Okay. So Jesus let the Holy Spirit out when the temple veil was, uh, was torn. And now, believe it or not, if you're born again, the Holy of Holies is inside you. The Garden of Eden has been restored. You know, okay, I can give a, <laughs> we, can, we can give some hot sermon and we can run all over the place and rah, 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 jump on the chairs and stuff. But you know what? Some of these things you need to know so that you know what happened to you and what you're capable of. <laughs> because you can walk out of here or like real emotional ones, you can walk out of here and you don't have anything where you can defeat the enemy or overcome or be a conqueror for yourself. See, we're teaching the word in this church so that you can go out there and overcome. And it works, right? It's worked for me. But... Okay, just like sickness and disease, somebody will tell you a diagnosis, and I've been there. I've had cancer. <laughs> I've had a knee replacement. <laughs> I've been told I have osteoporosis, and I better, that was five years ago, <laughs> that I could any minute fall down and my hip would break and all that, and, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what? You can succumb to that stuff. Oh. Oh, 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 my back is, you know, my back is really out of place. You don't know how many times I've fought that. Yeah. Folks, you've got to fight stuff. <laughs> but it's, but it's the truth. See, that's where I learned from reading the Bible. What I see is people become born again and they'll go to heaven. But, but it actually says in Ephesians 1, 1, 3 that you can live like heaven on earth. It, even, if, it, even in Psalm 91, which is a protection song, psalm, you, it, says, it says that a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it won't come near you. It almost, I, I know of somebody in World War II who uh, was, he found, you know, this was in France, and it was all bombed, um, and more bombs came. He finally found a house, and he, he was, found a bed, a bunk bed, yeah. and he got to sleep a little bit. He was there, and all of a sudden, all this, he heard all the bombs start going off again, and um, he had been to Sunday school. Oh, now, yeah. he hadn't been to church for a long time. But he came, it came back, Psalm 91, that a thousand would fall at his side and ten thousand at his right hand, but it couldn't come near him. That's all he could remember. And he got under the bunk bed, and when the bombing stopped, he, he crawled out from under there, and he looked, and the whole building was gone except for that bunk bed. But he kept saying it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> It probably didn't mean anything to him when he memorized it when he was little, but it came back to him. See, Scripture will help you. 
You can, you, you can choose to be an old crab. <laughs> you can choose, and I've been there. <laughs> you can choose to get, wake up depressed. I've done that one. It's just everything seemed hopeless. Yesterday, I was, whoa, I had to fight something. It was like stuff was coming. Mm. And sometimes the enemy will do that to you. Like everything seemed hopeless. And you know what? I had to get into this, the word. I would read one chapter, I'd pray in tongues. One, another chapter, pray in tongues. Another chapter, I kept doing it and doing it and doing it and, and saying, God, I know better. But see, you fight it with the word of God, and I won. And I said, Ken, I think Ken was sick of me too because it was like, yeah, I, I couldn't get out of it. And I knew it was wrong. But see, if, okay, but before, I didn't know that that was wrong or the how I could get out of it. But now I know, and I went, I know this is not right, God. I repent. I'm sorry, Lord, because I should trust in you. And but the feeling was there. And I got, finally I did it, and I went, Ken, guess what? I'm happy now. <laughs> he was happy, I was happy. No, because it was easier on him. No. Okay. This, this is what the word of God does to you. We're not, we're not pretending like this is religion. Okay, so I'll hurry up here so we can, we can all go where we're going to go. Okay, so Jesus Christ had great power. He performed miracles, but he gave his life willingly because for his great love for the world. Uh-oh, now the, the Holy Ghost is talking to me right now and telling me I need, for those of you who are here, I want to just tell you one thing. Just listen to me for one second at least. God does not cause sickness and disease. God does not cause storms. He does not cause any. There is no bad in God. He is one zillion hundred, one zillion percent good. He doesn't cause that stuff. There's a devil out there. Yeah, the insurance says, you know, an act of God or however they say it. It's not. It's an act of the devil to destroy people. And a lot of people before they can get born again. He is a good God. And I could prove it with scripture, but you would be here another half an hour. <laughs> and we want to receive communion too. Okay. So John 14, 12 says, we will do, now listen to this. It says, we'll do even greater works than Jesus did if you're born again. 1 John 4, 17 says, as God is, listen to that. As God is, so are you in the world. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That's the devil. <laughs> See, this is the kind of power that operates in you and me if you are born again. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, said to us and his disciples, Behold, I give you power. I give you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, which means the devil, 
and nothing shall by any means harm you. Anytime, that, see, the devil is in all this stuff, mind-altering things. The devil's trying to kill you off and make your, you know, people take enough drugs and their minds go. But I've seen even that restored in people. God is a miracle-working God. See, and anytime the devil tries to make you feel you are not a serious threat to be feared. Remind him of who lives inside of you. If you're born again. 1 John 5, 4 says we're world overcomers. Romans 8, 11 says the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And it can make alive your kidneys. It can make alive your liver. It can make alive your stomach. It can make alive your arteries and your veins the same resurrection power it says that Romans 8 11 his sister was dying in the hospital Tony's way back and his mother put that scripture on and repeated it and repeated it because her her arteries in her in her head were bursting and and it was a stroke type of thing and she she came out of it. <laughs> she was in Mayo Clinic. So, see, okay, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, when you get born again, lives in you. And it's the same spirit that raised him out of hell. <laughs> and it can make alive your mortal Mortal means it's death bound, there's something wrong. It can go to your kidneys, it can go to your stomach, it can go to your heart, it can go to your arteries, it can go to your brain, any place, and it'll work. See, the anointing that was on Jesus now rests on you. And all authority given to you that Jesus had when he walked on the earth, it's all given to you. Jesus gave us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And that's in Matthew 16, 19. And he says, whatsoever you bind on earth is what's already bound in heaven. So what, what's, bound in, what's bound in heaven? There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no depression. There's no oppression. There's no torment. There's no evil. Heaven is a perfect place. Guess what it says? It's actually, you can bind it and loose what is in heaven, and all of heaven will back you up once you're born again. All this stuff is true. There, there's, there's, he did, he gave you everything. And he went up to heaven, and he wants us to take over the earth. He wants the kingdom of, of, of God to be on this earth. Okay, well, <laughs> okay, see, when you use all this stuff, you do it by speaking words, that's all it is, for all the shame and beating Jesus went through, I mean, he can heal your body, you can have a good life, okay, we're going to receive communion, and there's a couple, just a couple things I want to say about forgiveness, and then we'll, we'll end the service. Uh, I do want Mark 11, 25, and 26 up there. 
No, King James. Mark 11, 25 and 26. The Bible says don't receive communion without with any kind of unforgiveness. It says that when you stand praying, forgive. Forgive people. If you have ought against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now let me just say a few little things here. When you're holding unforgiveness, it's a sin that you're presently doing even while you're sleeping. Ephesians actually says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath because you're giving place to the devil. And that, yeah, you're sleeping with the devil. See, you're actually chained and handcuffed or shackled to the person that you cannot forgive. And you're a slave to them because unforgiveness holds you in bondage. You know what? It's like taking poison, unforgiveness is, hoping your enemy will die. See, and you actually serve them because they become your idol. That's all you can think about is how you're mad at them. Well, I've been there. I mean, we have all, you know what I mean? An idol is anything that occupies your mind more than Jesus occupies your mind. And what happens, though, is bitterness comes. And I could go into a whole bunch of scriptures in Hebrews, but we won't go there. But it, the Bible's loaded with the answers. <laughs> it says bitterness. You get a chip on your shoulder, you know, and depression becomes part of your life because of that person. Been there, done that. And it, what it does, it shuts down your faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Shuts down your love walk. And, 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 it, and then the Bible also says faith works by love. What's faith? Faith isn't a denomination. Faith isn't your Christianity. Faith is trusting in God. You actually trust in what the word of God says. But if you never read it, you never know what it says. So really, when you are in unforgiveness, you're working for the devil. Because you've submitted to him and you have no legal right to bind or rebuke him just as you wouldn't your employer. Okay, let me, let me just tell you this too. There was a Roman form of punishment. You still listening? Roman form of punishment. Romans, you know, that crucifixion was bad enough. But this Roman form of punishment, if you murdered somebody and, and they were dead, they would take that dead body and they would chain it to you face to face until it deteriorated into your body. You know it was decaying 
And when it, when it would touch, you know, you'd have it there, it would decay you. I hate to even say it. Sick. But that's the way the Romans were. But that's the same thing. When we don't forgive, it's chained to us and it's killing us. Now you say, well, I just can't forgive that person. It, you know, it's, it's just take, you know what? You, you're going by feelings. Don't go by feelings. We're talking about spirit. Okay, you don't have to have the feeling that you forgave that person. What you do, you say, as an act of my will and faith, I forgive them. And you know what? Then, here, here's what happens, though. You're going to, okay, here's what happens. You're going you're gonna to think about them and you say, and go, no, right then you say, as an act of my will, I forgave them. As an act of my will, I forgave them. As an act of my will, I forgave them. You see them and you want to run across the street. I've done that. You want to hide. One time, I think a lady was mad at me, and she, I saw her in the grocery store, and she knocked down a whole thing on the edge, and she did. <laughs> and, and, you know, stuff like that could happen. <laughs> but you know what? As an act of my will, I forgive him. As an act of my will. I've, I know because if you keep saying that, all of a sudden you look at him and you almost you forgot. You don't, even, you don't even know what happened. I don't even remember what happened. Honestly, it will work. But God will take that. All you say is an act of my will, I forgive them. And, and what happens, you know what? You're going to be happier. You just don't know what they did to me. They've, I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. They beat you to pieces. Just leave it. If you, eventually, you could leave it go. Okay, um, what else? Okay, Romans 6.16, don't put it up there, I'm going to read it. Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourself to anyone to do his will, you are a slave of him who you obey? If you keep saying, well, I can't forgive that guy, I can't stand that person, blah, 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 I, I can't forgive this and I can't do this, you know what, you're a slave to that. Whether that be to sin, which leads to death, hey, why not be a slave to God? <laughs> you know, when I read that, when I was a baby Christian, I went, oh, I better be a slave to God. I'd rather be. <laughs> so, or obedience to God's word, which leads to righteousness. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father can forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, <laughs> neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Okay, the problem is, and here's another problem. The very sins you keep, you retain, you keep or don't forgive others for will come back on you. Those sins will come back on you. Sins can come back on you like alcoholism, anger, addiction, lust can ruin your whole life. 
And it opens the door for the devil to tempt you in every, all those weak areas. And how, what if somebody's harassing you at work? <laughs> yeah. You know what? You forgive. How many times do you forgive? <laughs> yeah. 70 times 7. But you do more than that. I figured that out once. It is every, that would be 70 times 7 in 24 hours would be 2.9 minutes. Every, <laughs> you'd have, you could forgive them. Well, it would take that long for you to forgive. And then they might say something to you again. <laughs> okay, I forgive them again. I forgive them again. God is an act of my will. I forgive them. And you, get, you might be even getting madder. Don't, those are emotions. Those, that isn't what God goes by. He goes by the word of God. He doesn't go by emotions. And if you keep that up and say, I forgive them as an act of my will, Honestly, it works. Okay. So we're, we, we meet together for church so we can go out there and be free. See, and the, there's so many things on unforgiveness. It's a chain reaction because the door is open to torment you. In fact, your life can be indirectly controlled by the person you are holding unforgiveness against, even if they're dead. Even if they're dead. It's like a clogged artery. It acts like a dam that blocks God's forgiveness. And it also blocks you from hearing his word and understanding it. There, there's a lot. It's like an infected sore. It'll, it's in constant pain and irritation, and it never heals. I mean, it, there's, you lose the anointing. Sickness and disease comes in your life. You can even, uh, your mind can go haywire because the chemicals inside of your brain will secrete wrongly. It's the truth. So I, I'm just going to stop there. There's a whole, I've got... This much stuff on unforgiveness. But all you have to do is say, as an act of my will, I forgive. And so we are going to receive communion right now, and then you'll be dismissed. And you know, when it comes to being born again, all you have to do is ask Jesus. You have to mean it in your heart and say it with your mouth and say, God, come into my heart. Just Take over my life. I believe you died on the cross for me. That's all you have to do. People have said even different things than that. But, but God looks on their hearts. He looks on your heart. And he can read it. And he wants you because he did all this for you. All that torture, all that torment. It's, it's like for nothing. I mean, I don't even know why people celebrate. I mean, they celebrate Easter because he was resurrected from the dead, but <laughs> do they realize what it really means or what, what really happens? It's not a bunch of bunnies. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, have fun with the kids. and you know, <laughs> Don't get religious about stuff. There's people that quit our church because we had an Easter egg hunt. I mean, you know, that's a re religious spirit. Our hearts are right. 
don't get into religion. Yeah, because that's judging other people. He's the only perfect judge. Um, where's that going? Okay, First Corinthians eleven. You know, would it would it be too much to sing a couple choruses of that song? He said he's that one. Ooh, pretty. Could you do that? If your choir gets back up, while okay, this is how we do it. We Ken and I, my husband and I, Pastor Ken, stand up here and and we off. Um, you come to get the the elements, and um, then go back to your seat and wait, and we'll all receive together communion. And this is a is what they did at the Last Supper. Jesus' death. And resurrection. You can even receive healing. It's a point of contact. Inner healing, too. Yeah. Yep. Hallelujah. So, I'm going to 1 Corinthians 11. Okay, so. Okay, go ahead. You guys go ahead. Well, and ushers, you can help the people come forward. Okay, let's stand up here. Whoa. 
Pai. 